Hi, friends, and welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Back in 1971, the Dixon name became well-known at a small Christian liberal arts college in Ohio. Yes, Pat Dixon, wife of Chancellor and former president Paul Dixon, has left her mark on Cedarville University. Pat taught for 25 years in the English education program, but in 1966, Pat shifted into a role as assistant to the president, namely her husband. Her salary the first year, $1. Her earnings increased after that, but she wasn't in it for the money. She loved Cedarville and desired to bring her eye for design to the interior and the exterior of the university's buildings. Enjoy this fun podcast with Pat and Paul Dixon. Thank you, Sarah, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I am Mark Weinstein, and today's program is filled with rich Cedarville history as I'm joined by Dr. Paul Dixon, Chancellor of the University and former president, and his wife of 61 years, Pat, who has greatly impacted Cedarville University in the classroom and in the lives of countless students. As a couple, the Dixons have been connected with Cedarville University for the past 50 years. And you might be surprised in knowing that Pat was the first Dixon to come to Cedarville as she joined the faculty in 1971 as associate professor of English. Later, she became the assistant to the president for institutional advancement. Her husband, Dr. Dixon, served as president for 25 years and since 2003 serves as the chancellor. And I must add, from my perspective, it was during the Dixon presidency where Cedarville experienced significant growth in terms of student enrollment, academic programs, and campus infrastructure. It is my honor to welcome Paul and Pat Dixon to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Welcome. Thank you. It's our privilege. It's great to have you here in the, the podcast studio. And having Paul and Pat Dixon on the podcast, it really is a daunting challenge for me as they both have a lot to share. And I know podcasts are rel- relatively short. But that's why the podcast team is creating two podcasts out of today's interview with uh, the Dixons. So for today's program, uh, we're primarily going to focus on the life and ministry of Pat Dixon, although we know Paul, her husband, will have plenty to say throughout the podcast. So Pat, let me start with you. Um, I want to start with the fact that you preceded your husband at Cedarville University back in 1971. Yes. As you reflect on those 50 years since that uh, first year at Cedarville, what thoughts and feelings come to your mind? Kind of, I'm in awe that I would wind up here mm-hmm. uh, teaching in public education in Chattanooga, Tennessee for seven years. I would never thought I would be in college situation before, but at that time in the 60s, when I was in the integrated situation of Chattanooga, mm-hmm. I was very much into the riots that were happening in my particular school, which distressed me terribly because I saw my students who were just model students in my classroom Mm -hmm. turn into something that I had not witnessed them doing before. So I was somewhat discouraged about teaching. Plus, my principal had said, you've been teaching for us for X years. And the administration in Chattanooga want to know what you want to do next. Do you want to stay in the classroom? Do you want to become a principal? Do you want to be in the central office and do some 
teaching of teachers, that too. And so that was swirling around in my mind. And at the same time, Paul was going through some thoughts of his own. Is this where I want to stay as an evangelist? What should we do next, et cetera, our family? And then the call came from Dr. Jeremiah to Paul. I'll let him tell you about that call. Well, in the providence of God, Dr. Jeremiah said, uh, we need a, a professor for our certification, mm-hmm. state certification, who has had experience teaching in the public school sector. Yeah, I might add this, though, so we don't miss it. Pat was voted the teacher of the year in Chattanooga. She has always been an exceptional teacher. And so that's kind of how it all got started and how we ended up here was the call from Dr. Jeremiah. Yeah, and we're thankful for that call. When we talked over what we should do about this call, yeah, we decided that we would come here for one year. Wow. And I would try if I liked teaching in college and teaching English majors, whatever college involved, if I really liked it. But I would get them started in the English education program by developing courses and things like that. Of course, we didn't stay the one year. No. We stayed many more years. But, yes, I I just love the attitude of the university in that these wonderful students coming to us and that they had a very Christian outlook and the college was... Um, it was just moving along. So when the announcement came with Dr. Jeremiah's re- retirement, we were asked as a faculty to suggest names if we wanted to when they were getting all this collection started. And I didn't suggest Paul's name. Oh, really? I had suggested one of the trustees as my choice for a good president. Yeah. So it was kind of a shock when Paul received a call from the trustees that one day to come over and talk with them about the presidency. Wow. He thought he was just going to go give names. Right. And so did I. Dr. Dixon, did, did you have a relationship, a previous relationship with Dr. Jeremiah? Oh, yes. Uh, he would have me come in and do Bible conferences. They were really evangelistic meetings uh, all back in the 60s. I graduated from seminary in 64, I went out as an evangelist. I'm preaching in a lot of the churches in Ohio. He heard about it. He invited okay. me to come. And so that's how it all got started. And, of course, as president, I used to say we had a father-son relationship, and he would say, yeah, he's the father and I'm the son. <laughs> and he also came home one day after being at Cedarville and said, you know what, if we were ever called to a ministry at a college, I would love for it to be at Cedarville. That was just in passing. Yeah. And you see what happened. Yeah, that's what the Lord had in mind. Yes. And you you followed the call. As you think back of your time as a faculty member, as you had another job later on at the university, now as as the wife of the chancellor, um, what are some of your favorite memories that come to mind uh, from your time? Oh, more than likely, of course, the classroom. I taught freshman courses, but my major contribution was to English majors who were planning to teach in secondary education in the public sector. So I poured my life into them 
very much so. And um, then the extracurricular things that I did, I was advisor to the yearbook for right. several years right. and enjoyed that close relationship with those students. And I went on uh, some mission trips with them. I led a team of five majors. We went to Hungary to set up a teaching English as a second language in a church there in Budapest. And then I went to China many times in my relationship with working with this, our graduates who were teaching English in China. I was on that committee, was able to go there and see what was happening, get in touch with administration there and view their classroom. She always had a heart for missions. Mm-hmm. And uh, as she said, just her relationship with the students. We have a trustee now. Who likes and several of the trustees had her as students wow. and were in her classroom, and he likes to talk about. He called his mother after the in the first quarter and said, "I've never been around a woman like this. She has a different clothes, new clothes. Everything is so sharp every day." And as Pat says, he didn't. He didn't even realize that she was just switching some things. Yeah, I'm but, a good coordinator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the fact she has always, from the time she hit the campus, she's a classy lady. Yeah. And that had a marked influence on this institution. Mm-hmm. Remember, that's 1971. But through all these years, yeah. she was greatly valued for her godliness and her classiness. Yeah, you, you can't, uh, even today walk on campus without seeing your imprint, Mrs. Dixon, as well as yours, Dr. Dixon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's admirable, and that's a, a tribute to um, your commitment to excellence and to obedience to Jesus. Um, in preparation of the podcast, I watched a video of that chapel program where it was a tribute to you, Mrs. Dixon. Um, a lot of people spoke. Scott spoke. Um, one thing uh, that I gleaned from that uh video was, and it was, I want to talk about it now if, if we can, is um, the first time you met your husband, I mean, you weren't married yet, but I mean, you, he was a student at Tennessee Temple. Can you relive that uh, experience where you first met Dr. Dixon? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was in high school in Chattanooga, right. but I would go on Temple's campus to take sign language classes <laughs> on Tuesday nights. And one night, I was met at my classroom door by another student who said, we have this deaf person coming to college, and I want you to meet him. And I said, how can that be? We don't have any way of even having deaf students come. Of course, now they do. They have interpreters. They they work with all that uh, of the hearing society. But anyway, I said, I would love to meet him and tell him about our deaf ministry here. We had Sun Tzu classes for deaf. We have a section where, of course, sign language was given in in the church and just things like that that I knew he would have to know. So he said, I'll come back and get you at the end of your class and take you over. And he's probably at the basketball game. Mm. So he did. He was right there at the door when I got out of class and took me over. And Paul was standing among some male students in the middle of the basketball floor. And I went up to him and in sign language said, what's your name? And he began just to blush all the way up. And I realized then that it was something was not kosher in this situation. And what he had done, he had come to campus not knowing anyone except his cousin who was already there. And these guys 
nabbed him and said, we're going to play a joke on campus and we're going to say you're deaf, that you're coming to school and then we're going to you know, just run with it. And so I broke up that spoof, so to speak, and I said, oh, what a jerk, you know, <laughs> do that. And so I'd see him on campus after that. This was in January. I'd see him on campus until May, the end of that first semester when he was sent out. He'd just start signing to me, moving his fingers, and I'd say, oh, goodness, what a jerk, what a jerk. <laughs> That's how I met him. <laughs> You're quite an actor. Well, I— I used to say when I tell this story, you know, as an evangelist and in the meetings, and I would tell it often, and how in the providence of God we met, and I say it only took her about 30 seconds to find <laughs> out I wasn't deaf, but she still thinks I'm the dumbest <laughs> fellow she ever met. <laughs> oh, that's a classic story, and yeah. uh, what, what, a, <laughs> what a great way to meet your husband. <laughs> And uh, it's, it obviously turned out, I mean, 61 years, that's, that's quite an accomplishment. Yep. So back to Mrs. Dixon um, on a more, probably more serious side here. So it, in that video, I noticed that uh, you were identified as the grammar queen on campus. Oh, uh, I know. A person who valued relationships yes. and loved to mentor women. Mm-hmm. Um, why are those phrases and characteristics important to you even today? Well, as a young girl growing up, i was in a Christian home, but I went to a camp one year, and this college student was my counselor, Mm -hmm. and she just poured herself into me as a 14-year-old. I would go on campus and visit her in the dorm room, and she just told me how to have devotions. She just just poured into me spiritual truths, and I always valued that, and I always said to myself, I want to do that to others, to pour myself into a student. Even now, as a, as we're retired and moving here and there, right. if we move to a new place, like we're in a new community right now, I always pray that God would lead me to someone that I could pour myself into or she could pour herself into me. But in any way, I could help her in her yeah. spiritual growth. And he always has done that yeah. in every situation I've had as a member of the Cedarville Village as a homeowner and a house, having a home and then having the neighborhood and I met neighborhood ladies. And just anytime I just want to single out that one person, I can help in any way possible. Yeah, it And makes... I did that with my students as well to lead me to a student that might need me in a special way. Yeah, it makes a big difference. I remember back when um, we had just moved to St. Louis, Missouri, this is back in my 2005, so not really a long time ago, relatively speaking. But um, there was this one couple, uh, Jack and Judy, and uh, we they saw us at church, and she uh, Judy was just like you, Mrs. Dixon, and just reached out to us and plugged into us, and and we 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 view them as um, parents today, and uh, it's made a big difference in our lives. And I can't imagine the impact you've had with with students, uh, not just students, but now even in your retirement years, as you said. Uh, Do any of these students that you served and reached out to years ago stay in contact with you today? Oh, yes, yes. Some of the workers that were sent out by um, maintenance to help me with my yard at the president's home, I still keep contact. He's a pastor now. That's an example. Yeah. Um, But I have others. One of my first assistants, student assistants, I still keep in touch with her in New York. So, yes, I have 
them through Facebook, especially now, too, helps to keep those relationships yeah. going. But yes, I still have interests in them and hear from them. How does that make you feel? Oh, uh, it's wonderful. I mean, I just, I value it so much as a part of my life and my my existence to be that person that can be in there with them, to watch them evolve and grow and minister. and Yeah. And as Paul used to tell the students, if you ever have a need, even if you're one quarter student and you have a need, you call me collect. Mm. And that's the way I felt too. You call yeah. me collect as well. I'll be able to help, I should hope. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great uh, purpose and, and mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in 1996, Mrs. Dixon, you transitioned, I believe, from teaching to a new role as the assistant. Uh, Whatever that title was. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. <laughs> the assistant to the president for institutional advan- uh, enhancement. Uh-huh. Uh, in today's world, that might be difficult for a spouse to report to her husband. Right. Uh, but it, it worked for you guys. How did it work? Well, I didn't report to him. Oh. <laughs> I did it myself, whatever I wanted to do. Yeah. He he would just there if I wanted to bounce things off him or to call me to come home at 12 o'clock midnight to get off campus and come home when I was working on projects. Yeah. But he in no way just was an encourager, not yeah. not a not a person to whom I reported. Okay, so I mainly worked with the dire- the vice presidents for business. John, okay. John Anglia. Anglia. Yeah, and he was the person I went to because he controlled my budget and uh, different things like that. So I'd go and say, could I change this yeah. in this particular way? Is there money for me? Oh, sure, go ahead, do it, you know. Yeah, you always tell the president's wife, sure, yes, do yeah, something. Well, that's but, true, too. <laughs> but, and I would add that you have to remember we're building so many buildings, you right. know, over the course of those 25 years, $100 million worth of buildings. Yeah. And we started out with both of us have always had some strong commitments to the way things should be done and the look we wanted to have on campus within the buildings and everything else. And then, of course, with her and her interest in flowers and the landscaping and all. So we didn't have anyone really in charge of that. And then she started... John Angley would give her responsibility. She'd help with a building. And then after retirement, the trustees said, look, why don't we just give her this position and let her help us in all these buildings we're putting up? That's how it materialized. So let me ask you, Dr. Dixon, was it really Mrs. Dixon who was against dandelions? No, no. That no, was that, that was mine. I, that was his. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard the story or heard stories about it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I, in fact, recently they've started circulating some of the old messages I brought uh, uh, on dandelions, yeah. and, and that became a big thing. It wasn't planned to become big, but it just became annually that the kids would ask, "When are you going to bring your dandelion speech?" And it, it was kind of a spoof. It took on a life of its own. Yeah. Yeah. So, as the assistant to the president, did you? Was there ever a, a time in your role there where maybe your husband wanted to do one thing and you, and you said, "No, Paul, we're doing it this way." I can't think of anything like that. Yeah. No, he pretty much gave me the authority and the trustees to do what I felt was necessary. Yeah. In fact, my first year salary was one dollar. Really? Yes. <laughs> 
And then when they realized what I was doing, one of the trustees came to me and said, I'd like for you to explain to me what you do in this role. So I explained to him all the things that have to be done and the hours that had to be spent. So then they gave me an adequate salary. But um, I didn't take it for the salary anyway. I just no. felt there was a need to someone coordinate all of this. Yeah. And what prompted me to do it, I still recall, I came into the old dining room and one of the staff people was gathered at a table full of people eating, mostly faculty, and he had this two three two things of carpet samples, and he was holding them up and saying, which one did you like? And I thought, oh, gosh, I can't go on. No way can you decide <sighs> colors and carpet giving to just people in the dining room. Right. So that's when, again, I was reinforced that maybe I should take this on. I've never had a course in decorating or anything like that. God just gifted me with a sense of color yeah. and um, how to arrange things. Mm-hmm. I can see things in their position when they're finished. So th- I just went on that. So yeah. uh, it, it was good. So as you think back to your career teaching and then serving as an interior decorator, ex- exterior decorator, mm-hmm. um, in one, in either of those phases, do you, do you get more memories? Do you have more memories from one or the, or the other? Oh, most likely from the teaching. Yes. Yes. Um, Of course, see, that was how many years ago I did the student center was how many years ago? Was that That was like uh, the student center was probably opened in 2000. Mm -hmm. So that's 21 years past. Right. And, of course, it's all been refurbished again. Right. So what I've done initially in some of these buildings is – passe now and it's being redone but um i think my teaching is what i really enjoyed the most um that's my good. contact I think with it, students it, i think it's what she's saying is that her teaching her love for the students and god investing in their lives that goes on and as she just said the decorating has changed others have come in the whole styles have changed, right. you name it. So uh, she yeah. just loved the students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, does any, uh, do you have any favorite uh, student stories? Well, um, when I was advisor to the yearbook, one of my staff people was very close to me. His name was Jeff Bergendine. And it was in the 80s. He that he was in a car with a couple other students, and they came to my house. It was at night and rang the doorbell, but I thought it was just another faculty member that was coming to drop off something that I needed. Yeah. So I didn't go answer the door because I was dressed for bed and my hair was rolled up and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. So I didn't go answer the door. Well, he, they went on these students and picked up a couple of more students and they were doing a young's run as they called it back okay. then and were in a terrible accident mm. and two of the people in the car were killed mm. jeff was badly badly wounded with all kinds of head injuries yeah. it was just a terrific crash a terrific time on campus of sadness and so um that was a very special time for me to be able to help jeff and his recuperation which was very long and he since has gone on to be with the lord but 
I remember, I'll never forget that crash and that night because I could have been in that car yeah. with those students and I wasn't. And the girl they picked up last and said to take my place, she was one of the ones that was killed oh. from her position being in a car. They were hit yeah. by a drunk driver mm. on their way to mm. Young's Dairy. Mm. So it's been years since you've held a, an official position here, but, oh, yeah. but Cedarville still is very, very important to you. Oh, sure. What's it like? For you now, um, when you come back to campus, um, what thoughts go through your mind as you see the Cedarville of today? Oh, I'm excited about what's happening here today. And I'm so thankful that Dr. White has included Paul to be yeah. a part of it because he can give what, from his experience as a fundraiser, et cetera, and different people he knows in the community. We we saw in the previous time before Dr. White that the the association with Springfield and Xenia mm-hmm. and Dayton had just been depleted. There was no relationship there. Yeah. Paul was on the um, Chamber of Commerce in Springfield. Okay. And he wanted to do that in order to have that connection yeah. with Cedarville to Springfield. And... Uh, we saw that kind of diminished over the years. And um, so that's an exciting part to see those connections begin to come into vogue again with having the relationship to Springfield and they know about us. Yeah. You know? uh, my final two questions are, are definitely on the, on the spiritual side uh, of the podcast. Um, in, in watching the video, I learned about your, your um, spiritual conversion. Could you share with us um, when you accepted Christ and, and when he really became real in your life. Okay. As I said before, I was born into a Christian home. I'm a twin. Yep. And we were born together the first time. And the second time when we were born again, we were at a camp, yeah. Camp Joy in Chattanooga. And neither of us knew of the other one accepting Christ at that time. We were about 10 years old then. So I always said we were born together the first time and the second time because, you know, physically. You right. Know, yeah. And um, being in a Christian home, my mother always said to my sister and me, God doesn't have any grandchildren. You girls have to make a decision for yourself mm-hmm. what you want to do with Christ's claims on your life, yeah. which we both did. So like you're, you went down at camp one aisle and your sister went down another aisle, right? Well, it wasn't in it. There you dealt with your counselor in rooms who didn't, you know, they'd have services at night, but you would, if you wanted to make profession, usually told your counselor. So it was in different positions in the camp that we were at. Okay. And they were both baptized the same day too. And uh, as I said, she's now in heaven, Mm. but, um, how special was that to to know that you were born the first time oh, and was, again the same days? It it was just wonderful, just yeah. wonderful. Um, I would when I was growing up, I probably would not have done anything negative to result on my parents being a wild child or whatever right. because of my parents. Sure. I didn't want to disappoint them first, even before I thought about God. Yeah. That's how important they were in my lives. Is, right. And not wanting to offend them or shame them in any way by the life I was living. So, and I would say as far as when the the complete process that was beginning to go to a different stage of my relationship with Christ 
came at, at the age of 14. Okay. And from then on, I had, I've thought about this often. Why did I have this sensitivity to God's claim on my life? How did that happen? And um, I just um, always felt that um, that God designated for me to be something right. that he wanted me to be and had that longing on my heart to be in obedience to him and to yeah. my parents, whatever I chose to do. Oh, yeah. And you're definitely... Um... You're definitely a treasure to the Cedarville community. For all those who are listening to this podcast, um, they're they're thrilled to hear your voice and hear Mm -hmm. you share your story. So thank you for for sharing it with me. My last question for you is, um, at the heart of the Cedarville Stories podcast is to tell Cedarville stories for God's glory. How do you see yourself, hope you are bringing God glory in in your daily life? Well, in my daily life, I think of this truth of Scripture that I've used all my life, 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. That's been my life verse, and that's what I rely on. I am not within myself capable of doing anything, teaching, working with color, whatever, right. but it's of God's grace, that, and I recognize it is of His grace. Yeah. Because I have nothing to pinpoint that's what made me do this or do that other than God's grace. Well, we're all in the same boat. Yep. And that's we're thankful true. for that. And I'm thankful for the opportunity today to meet you for the first time. You know, I've met Dr. Dixon several times and admire um, your service together of Cedar, for Cedarville University. And uh, I wish you the very best. And thanks for joining me today on the oh, Cedarville Stories welcome. Podcast. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.